Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. Welcome to the Frontline Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Lake, and I'm excited about today's episode. Today's guest is a certified change practitioner with a certification from ProSci, and she's currently the program change manager in the IT organization at WL Gore & Associates. Please welcome to the show, Maria Fung. Hello, Maria. Hello, Justin. Um, Thank you for um, reaching out to me and invite me to your show. Thank you. I'm really excited to have you here, and I, I want to get started as we always do, and ask you the big question, mm-hmm. which is, what yeah. do you see facing? What do you see is the biggest challenge facing the deskless workforce today? I think I'm um, because of pandemic. I'm the frontline workers, or what we call our manufacturing associates in my company. I'm it is having distance between them and the associates in the office or uh, in the plant. Um, it is because of the way how they interact in the pandemic and the way how they make the decision and the way how they um, build a community um, were completely different from the pre-pandemic uh, period. Um, for example, uh, they don't have our luxury, they don't have their choices to decide whether they can work in the plant or uh, whether they can work from home. Uh, we have that options. So because of this, I'm, they tended to make the decisions as quickly as possible among themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, while in the past, I'm, they had all the associates I'm working together and they can call immediately. And you have, for example, QA team, uh, manufacturing leader, and the other engineers to come together to work out the problem uh, on site. So um, this created um, the gap and the distance uh, in the pandemic. So, so when, when you say distance, you actually mean the physical distance, like prior to the pandemic, they were able to yeah. work physically closer together. They were able yes. to pull together into a huddle and have a mm-hmm. quick conversation. And that's yes. impossible or at least more difficult now. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's and really this, interesting. Yeah. And this distance really created ripple ef- uh, effects. For example, I'm lack of trust, uh, lack of the sense of community. I'm and also I'm different ways to make the decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to hear you say <laughs> that one of the uh, effects of this is them making faster decisions, but on their own and perhaps without collaborating with others mm-hmm. in the organization. I, I'm pretty sure that's the first time I've heard somebody describe it that, uh, describe it that way. That's, that's really interesting. I, I don't think I have really thought about it that way. That's pretty interesting. What, what are some of the impacts of that happening? Are, would you say that they're maybe making less mm-hmm. informed decisions than they would have made before? Yes. Right now, um, they made their own decision 
I'm they probably I'm develop their decision plan and inform I'm for example the engineers I'm the QA team I'm afterwards I'm with the reasons um, on the paper or through the emails I'm versus um, in the past, just like what you say, very collaborative, okay, um, get the ad hoc call and come together. Yeah. Yes. Um, this is also something I have never imagined uh, happening on the manufacturing associates, especially on, on the manufacturing floor. Yes. <laughs> so on one hand, I'm wildly impressed that your manufacturing associates are taking initiative right? They're getting the job done. They're doing what they have to do to keep the lines moving and, and continue yes. to be productive, right? So I, I think that's commendable that they're not just mm -hmm. standing around waiting, right? Uh, on the other yes. hand, I imagine that there are some downstream implications to some of the decisions that they've made. Is there any anything mm -hmm. that you can share of maybe when something hasn't gone as well as it did before the pandemic that's a result of this decision-making process? Um, it is, it is, one of the effects and um, through the I mean through the pandemic it also created not just the decision making differences uh, but also the sense of community and also the sense of beyond belonging uh, in the plant or, or in the environment. Um, it is also like um, because of the restrictions set by the county or the government so they could not have lunch together in the room. So um, I have heard some of the story. They they uh, went back to their car to have lunch uh, on their own, um, which is something I'm we would not do it in the past. Um, as I understand, they are very close. I'm um, closely knitted, and they support each other very well, um, personally and also professionally. So um, this this was kind of I'm um, I would say the the community that I um, was being kind of um, damaged by pandemic. Um, I see the restriction um, has been lifted uh, step by step. Uh, so um, things start to resume again. So I, I am aware the leadership in the plants, they tried their best to rebuild the trust and also um, the relationship uh, between the manufacturing associates and also us uh, who have the options to work hybrid. <laughs> so mm. the, the really interesting point that you just raised is that because of the, the lockdown and those employees mm -hmm. not being able to be together, it was taking yeah. a bad situation and, and even making it worse. So it's one thing for there to be distance between the people that are the manufacturing associates and the office uh, associates. Yes. But now, because of those pandemic policies, you we even had to create space between the manufacturing mm -hmm. associates. So just like collaborations dropping all over the place. Yeah, you're right. Yes. So um, it is all about rebuild by in the post uh, pandemic era. So um, we... I, I have seen, um, we have tried very best to, for example, organize uh, some of the social activities in France uh, and also some of the enterprise-wide uh, celebration 
um, celebration lunch. So um, it is also one of the the thing that I'm we um, have the sense to rebuild the sense of community um, ruined by pandemic. Yeah. yeah, we still have that sense of collaboration. Uh, we have unique culture. Uh, we promote I'm. Uh, highly collaborative environment and also uh, have the knowledge-based decision environment. So um, if we miss any part uh, in the decision, um, it is not us, I mean, it is not goal. So um, I'm pretty confident through the conversation with uh, those manufacturing leaders and also manufacturing associates, they, they, they target to uh, move towards to um, the, the days that we used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Well, hopefully we're on the backside of a lot of these changes now and things <laughs> yes. will start to, to get back to normal a little bit. So mm-hmm. let's, let's take a step back and yes. talk about you as a professional and mm-hmm. help me and, and our audience understand a little bit about how you came into the role of being a change manager and, and dealing with the men and women on the front lines in your organization. <laughs> okay. Um, so I have been driving transformation and organizational change management for 15 years from innovating business processes for a business unit to centralizing, restructuring, and revamping the global function for the division to uh, roll out global um, uh, digital programs across the enterprise to standing up change capabilities for non-digital space, for example, um, sustainability, risk management within finance, and also internal controls are uh, procured to pay. Um, my story started as a garment technologist um, in fabrics division for WL Gore and Associates. Um, in my role, I led on many discussions and negotiations with Global, global brand customers, uh, manufacturers all over the world, and also internal associates um, from fuel cells, R&D, uh, product specialists, uh, and product owners. And um, I, I found that I have strong passion and enjoy uh, laying out different scenarios and drive everyone to common solutions and achieve the alignment uh, to hit the business goal. Um, in 2017, I have been internally transferred from Hong Kong to San Francisco to continue the uh, restructuring work um, for fabric station. Um, an opportunity came in 2018. I made a strategic move from divisional functional role to uh, change management on an enterprise level. This really uh, widens my horizon and bring my value uh, to another level. Um, I drove um, the change management uh, from strategy to impact assessment, to engagement activities and the uh, sustainment uh, activation um, for the programs like procure to pay digital collaboration on shifting the whole enterprise from Lotus Nooks to MS365, and also um, to um, plan the implementation for um, product 
life cycle management system across different divisions. Um, I still enjoy the work because um, I really like um, working with people, seeing people moving from A to B, and also having the satisf satisfaction from seeing um, they are resistant to, they really love the new technologies. And this is also how the manufacturing associates share their story with me about their experience, their positive experience in digital collaboration um, through um, our coaching, our local community, and also um, their um, easy access to, um, I mean, for help. <laughs> yeah. So I have to say, going back to where you started in your career, being a uh, you know, focused on fabrics and, yes. and that side of the, the business and then coming into change management in an IT mm -hmm. organization. That, that sounds like a strange leap. Can we go back to that for a second? I mean, how, how yes. did that transition happen? Um, within fabrics, I, I have done quite a number of um, transformation work. Um, my role was not change manager. I did not really know about the formal change management practice. However, um, I, I did a lot of um, engagement with the stakeholders. Uh, stakeholders mapping really targets um, what they needed and what I want them to feel for the future and also draw them on a picture, a few future picture, uh, how the success look like for this transformation. So um, one of the example I, I can share with you is the centralization work that I drove when I was, when I was within Fabrics. Um, we had a testing center all over the world for our apparel product. Um, and my role was to shift them to one single global hub in China. So uh, my task was to make sure the stakeholders internally from fuel sales, uh, marketing, communications, logistics, uh, product specialists um, to buy in this concept and also be part of the change, be part of the transformation. And at the same time, I also needed to influence uh, and make it very clear to the external customers, for example, the global brand customer that you can think of in consumer market, and also um, the other manufacturers who produce the apparels for these customers. So um, I included them in the process, for example, uh, what kind of things that uh, we could do to make their life better. So we drew, we, we drew the picture together. So we, we lay out different steps and also uh, heard their voices uh, and contributed to um, the roadmap and strategies and all those actions. <laughs> and this, this was part of uh, my transformation journey in fabrics. And I, and just like what I say, I had the passion and I had the strength to influence different parties to come to a common alignment. And this really um, led me to think about, hey, 
What's mean by change management? Um, what what actually means? And perhaps I, in the days when I was in the fabrics, I misinterpreted. Um, so in 2018, when enterprise or uh, globally recruited um, change managers internally, um, I, I had the chance to really see what change management actually means. And it really covers human-centric solutions and also the other part like how you manage your stakeholders, how you evaluate the impacts from process, technology, and people point of view, and, and also how to really wear the lens of empathy for different stakeholders to propose something um, to drive the change, to work with them, to coach them, and the way how we can uh, recruit them to be part of the change. So um, I, I still love being change manager. So um, this is, I think this is my second career within board. That's excellent. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and listening to you talk about your time focused more on the fabrics, it was a lot mm -hmm. of the same things of collaboration and bringing people together, yes. which is really the essence of what you're doing today as Mm -hmm. as, a, as a change leader, um, you know, inside the organization. So it, it makes yes. actually perfect sense. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk about for, for those that are listening, when Maria and I started the conversation, we talked about how uh, her employer refers to their frontline associates uh, or yes. their, their frontline team members as, as manufacturing associates in their case. Um, so we'll use those terms interchangeably today. But mm -hmm. when you look at your experiences in, in rolling out technology to the men and women on the front lines, your manufacturing associates, what are some of the lessons that, that you've learned about mm. what difference, what, what things we need to do differently, what things we can do the same when we're dealing with the men and women that are on the front lines in your business? Um, the way how they operate, operate um, is very different from, for example, me. Uh, sitting in the office or working from home. So, um, and also the way how they work is different. Um, they don't have their own laptop. They don't have their own desk. So um, the way how we get their buy-in, the way how we communicate is totally um, a new horizon. For example, I'm using their own community. They have their own uh, circle, they have their own network. So leverage this effort to deliver the message. And the other thing I'm, I've, I found it in, in my previous lessons learned was um, the use of office hour so that they can join and come in whenever they have break or whenever they um, get off from their work uh, and have people ready to help out with their questions. Um, the other thing um, I see very helpful to the uh, manufacturing associates um, is um, the coaching, not just passing the menu to them, but really holding hand, kind of hand-holding coaching in, in the front so that they can pick up on the key things on the new ways of working. And after that, when they feel comfortable, and confident in the new technology, new platform, they would do it uh, even better than we expect. Mm -hmm. 
Does it make sense? It does make sense. But I want to go back to something that you said. You said they have their own community. And I I can imagine there being some pros and cons to them depending on that community for communication about upcoming changes and how to use the system and how to get support and things like that. Because what, what I've actually seen in some cases is sometimes that community doesn't deliver the right information. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to hear how you have been able to, to manage that, to allow that community to be a good source of information, but make sure that the information they're getting from their community is accurate. Yes. In my previous uh, experience, especially in digital collaboration, um, we really provide um, the onboarding, the training, and the uh, uh, deep dive for the community. So um, we don't really take a kind of easy approach for the community. Um, we, because we, we, we really need them. We need them, uh, we need their local knowledge, local practice to support uh, our communication. So what we can support that, uh, what we can support them is um, the knowledge, um, the the kind of foundation of why, and also um, the sustainable ways of working uh, after the te- after the rollout of the, the technology. So it is not about oh a, a kind of chit chat group. No, not this. But uh, we really uh, set this up uh, uh, intentionally. So we work with the leaders. We work with um, the four managers um, for uh, leaders to really see who would be the one who are passionate, who are willing to this role. Uh, Of course, uh, have good relationship and trust level uh, with the manufacturing associates. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. Have there been any times when things didn't go as planned when you were embarking on a, a strategic change initiative? Um, yes. <laughs> dated back to Can you the share fabrics. that story with us. Yes. Um, perhaps dated back to the fabric situation. Um, I talk about um I led the centralization. And um yes, everything looked successful, uh, everything really centralized to one global hub and the customers, our factories and uh, internal associates follow the new flow new logistics and also new ways of working. Um, uh, however, um, one customer uh, reached out to us, hey, could we use the old method to have our garment, our apparel products tested in their own country? Um, it really, uh, <laughs> it was really an alarming for, for me. And I look back, um, I found that when we reach out to the customers, uh, when we reach out to the few sales, um, we might not um, be very explicit about the value. Um, by that time, we were not very experienced in change management and change management was pretty new capability within our company. So we only focused on, on the, the workflow, the new workflow and training. If we look at the principle of change management all over the world, 
the key success factor, one of the key success factors is um, the desire for change and also the value. Without that, those two pieces and just jump into um, convocations, uh, training, and also those process harmonization um, uh, led to this question, this pushback from, um, from the customer. Um, of course, finally, we worked out um, a, a kind of exception plan. Uh, and at least uh, we moved toward our goal uh, at the end. Um, but that kind of exception ask um, or has already um, become our kind of alarm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always fascinated when the desire element of change yes. comes up. Because I, mm -hmm. I, I think it's the area that I am least versed in, <laughs> in terms of how to, to facilitate. Because I've, I've worked around some very reluctant people that mm -hmm. don't want to change. And, and I, I wonder, I love when change management professionals refer to this desire. I, I mm -hmm. always kind of looked at it as, can we just get them not to be angry? <laughs> <laughs> You know, oh, yes. but, but, but that's different <laughs> between being, not, you know, not angry and actually, you know, desiring this change and understanding mm -hmm. it to the length that you really understand what's in it for you. Uh, those mm -hmm. are two very different things. I'm, I'm curious yes. about what your thoughts are on how to really uh, help those impacted really mm -hmm. see what's in it for them and, and help to create that desire. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, I think creating a desire um, is part of um, showing them the, the future. So showing them the value. Um, and also these two things um, will inform how you engage, how you communicate, uh, and how you recruit them as part of the change process. So um, I, I like stories. So I, I also would like to share you with my story. When I uh, supported um, Procure to Pay project, um, when, I was, uh, when I was the enterprise change manager, um, the time when I supported this project, uh, I was pulled in very late. So uh, I, I sat in on different training webinars conducted by project champion, project managers. And I sense that the question the associates asked, the questions the leaders asked were not very uh, welcoming, um, not inviting. So they, they, there were a lot of pushback and resistance you could sense. So um, when I had the chance to talk with these individuals, um, their focus was the process. And when I asked them, um, do you see the value after this policy rollout, after this system rollout? And most of them could barely say a word. So um, I immediately worked with the project sponsors to really look at the change strategies um, which part we should reinforce, which part um, we are missing, and what kind of outcome we really look for within two months 
away from the rollout. So uh, we organized very intensive uh, engagement from webinars to in-person engagement and focus group to rebuild the trust, to draw a picture of the value and also um, the, the hopes after the new ways of working. So all these company, all these elements combined it to um, a successful rollout uh, at the end. So through engagement on the associate who, who are highly resistant had the chance to vent out on their, their thoughts and also their concerns. And with, and with the leadership, the senior leadership as part of the trainer, um, also build the credibility for the project team and also for these initiatives. Mm -hmm. So um, these were something I, I think um, very resonate with your questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, my favorite thing that you just said is help, help them see the future. And yes. I, I really like that. It actually, it's a very simple way to describe it. I know it's not easy to do, but to help <laughs> them understand how their role will be impacted by these new systems and mm -hmm. what that's going to look like down the road. And uh, I can imagine that would make it feel much less overwhelming that you're helping them see what the future looks like and you're, you're charting yes. out the path between where they are today, where we're going to be together in mm -hmm. you know two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks out. Um, yes. I, I can imagine that really lessening some of the anxiety and concern that they have about the change. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about the future, when we, when we talk about the value, um, we, this is my personal opinion, um, is um, put on their lens, not just because you are the change manager, not just because you are the project manager. Um, even it is about compliance for the organization. There's the value that you can get them buy-in, get them feel, okay, I protect my company because it is the company I love working for. So um, this is very tricky, I know, um, but only just one step to do so. Be uh, empathetic and wear the lens of your stakeholders. Yeah, I think that's really smart. What what is um what do you think there are any myths that maybe some of your mm -hmm. colleagues, um, not just inside your organization, but other folks that change management yeah. professionals are working around? Do you think there are any myths or misunderstandings about what it takes to be effective mm -hmm. as a change leader inside the organization? Um I think one one idea pop, popping up on my mind is I'm the, the local adoption. I'm, yes, we see local adoption is part of our change process. And I'm, the way how we set up the change community, the way how we run it, and also the resources and time commitment, how to maintain it, um, I would see not just the change managers, but also the leadership would underestimate the effort or um, the, the thing that we should put in. 
um, if you look at the structure of change management organization, uh, we, we probably rely on change man manager to do everything from stakeholders engagement, uh, management, uh, comms and engagement, uh, readiness, uh, change impact assessment, and training, etc. However, when we look at the change network itself to promote, to sustain the local adoption, um, we found there's a kind of missing piece. And I always talk to my project or program leadership that there should be at least half of the headcount and even one headcount to run the community because this is not about pre, during, and after, but how to maintain the behavior after the rollout because this is also part of our success, right? <laughs> I think that is an amazing point, and it's it's one that we've we've talked about quite a bit. Mm. That innovation is a journey, not yes. a destination. It's not just mm. something that you do, and when the project date ends on you know June thirtieth, that now this <laughs> yes. phase is done. That that's the initial installation, perhaps mm. when that part is is complete. But this really is a life cycle. And yes. the life cycle, you know, it continues for many years in most cases. Mm -hmm. And, and even when that technology that was innovative today, yeah. reaches a point where it's now end of life, and we're going to be transitioning to the next generation of that technology, mm -hmm. it doesn't just stop and start, you know, it's, it's something that needs to continue to evolve. And so I think you're absolutely right, that many times, we underestimate what's mm -hmm. really necessary to ensure the success of those programs. Yes, and there are a lot of factors affecting our approach to coach and guide the, and also run the community, the local uh, network community. For example, pandemic, it is something we never expect. Right. The cultural differences and also um, the way how they work in each region. So um, this is something I'm um, ever-changing, it is not a permanent or kind of fixed um, element. So um, this is also something uh, we, we uh, tweak our approach uh, as the time goes by, yeah. That's really good. <laughs> Maria, what is, what's the contribution mm -hmm. that you've made in the organization that you're most proud of throughout your career? Oh, wow. This is kind of a difficult question. <laughs> Justin. Um, I, I would say um, I really drive a lot of alignment um, between my project team or my functional team and the leadership and also the stakeholders. Um, it is something I'm proud of um, and also talented at. Um, I, I build the relationship and trust um, very quickly. Um, I, and I also use um, the principle of team performance model um, to approach my stakeholders and also um, my teams. Um, so the principle just like, okay, let's really set our identity, why we are here. No matter it is project team and also the functional team. Uh, after the identity or membership kind of thing, then let's look at the trust. 
So through different exercise, for example, string founders, it is something, I mean, the game that all people love, right? And then really get down to the job, get the things done. So I found these models really helped me to um, achieve our highest impact in the inferencing and driving at the alignment. Um, I used the same approach when I did um, the consultation or uh, kind of customer support services to the brand customer as well. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Well, I think that is uh, those are contributions that you should be proud of. And I'm sure the, uh, the organization and all your stakeholders have benefited greatly from, uh, from your yes. contributions there. So thank you for sharing that story with us. Yeah, and inferencing is so important in change management and transformation, no matter whether it is digital and non-digital world. Yeah, that's really good. Mm. Maria, thank you so much for your time today. We're already coming up to thank the end you. of our time, so I really yes. appreciate you uh, you spending some of your afternoon with me. Um, thank you. I do need to wrap it up there. So for the audience, I hope you found this conversation as enjoyable as I have. And if so, please share and rate the podcast. Five-star ratings help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you mm-hmm. that are innovating on the front lines, just like Maria. The podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile mm-hmm. digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. Visit the website at skyllful.com. And we're always looking for new guests on the show. So if you, Maria, or uh, you, the audience, know somebody out there that's innovating on the front lines, we'd love to get a referral. A lot of our guests have actually been referred to us by other guests and those in the community. So we'd love to hear about them, uh, make an introduction to uh, me on LinkedIn, and uh, hopefully we'll get them lined up for the show. Maria, thanks again for your time today. Thank you, Justin. 